All right, hello everyone. This is a special episode that is part of the Founder Series, an original podcast series by Behind the Human and Wisdom Ventures that explores the mental fitness practices, rituals, and sources of wisdom fueling founders who are scaling compassion and wellness. Because when minds thrive, so do innovations, teams, and businesses. We all win. Today we have Maria on the show, founder and CEO of Clayful, a company on a mission to end the youth mental health crisis. I mean, obviously I'm super passionate and I think anyone would be super passionate about supporting that mission. So Maria, welcome to the show and the series. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All right. So I mentioned a bit of your work, your bio. We're going to get into more of that, of course. But before we dive into the topics, uh, I always start uh, these interviews on Behind the Human with the same question, and that is just to avoid job titles and and whatnot. And that's just, you know, who are you? Who are you uh, today? Because I know that evolves as as our years unfold. That is a loaded question. <laughs> so I'm Maria. Yes, the, the CEO title is one that I wear proudly, mm-hmm. um, but I am a... Latino woman living in the U.S. I came to the U.S. when I was 10 and I have been really passionate about solving big problems. So I would say at the core, Mm. I am a problem solver uh, and I do that with a lot of intentionality and care for the people experiencing those problems. Well, this is where the engineering must come in. I saw some of your background, right, as a problem solver. Because one of the questions I did want to ask was, how does someone go from uh, engineering and the background in that space to what I can see, at least from your LinkedIn, you know, product growth and then, you know, coaching students and learning management systems right up until, you know, what you're doing now. Uh, what what was that path or what, what's your story behind your journey so far? What do you mean? That's not the typical path. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) What? So I, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an engineer. I was really good at math and science and I actually wanted to be an astronaut to begin with, but eyesight wasn't good enough. So there goes that dream. (laughs) Maybe one day. Sure. (laughs) There's still time. Yeah, there's course. There's still, that's like the second life, you know? Sure. Um, But I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to build airplanes and spaceships for a living. And I was, because I was good at math and science, I started tutoring kids in math and science. So I would spend all of my after school time in high school and then in college working with middle schoolers, high schoolers on, you know, the unit circle. And yeah. S equals MA, all these things that I'm sure some of us listening to this podcast still remember fondly. Some of us do not. And I, I look back on that time now and realize that so much of the time I spent with these students wasn't just about teaching them Sokotoa and mm-hmm. <laughs> helping them ace their tests, but it was really about working through the things that were hurting them or troubling them most, right? It was the pressures they were feeling from their families or themselves to do a good job. It was the drama that was, you know, picking up on their friend in their friend zone, or it was really heavy stuff. Like one of my best friends whose mom died of suicide and working through those really, really, really hard feelings 
and still, you know, trying to be a teenager at the same time. So, yeah, so that's much a of lot. that. I, I mean, it's how a did lot you? To hold. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, how do you? Because you can hold space for others, but then, I mean, if there's no, if you typically need some sort of releasing practices or something, some outlets, so that that doesn't, you know, completely deplete you as well. Did you have anything like that at at that young age? Really, I mean, I would say I always lean into music. Okay. Right. So, like driving through my hometown with music blasting was always a way to like release emotion. But I didn't have the tools back then, right? I I was, you know, I came to the U.S. when I was ten, and there's there's a lot that comes with seeing my mom leave her family, leave her world to come to you know your typical immigrant story, come to the U.S. to give me a better life, and feeling that pressure that I have to make it worth it for her, right? Because she's making mm. this whole sacrifice. And I was good at school. So like that was my thing. But I was also really, you know, confused about, wait, who do I want to be? And who are my friends? And what 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 is my personality? <laughs> and yeah, sure. Am I Colombian? Am I American? Right? There's all these things. And they I would say in, in some ways that like pressure broke me at times. And I, I was a little bit of a rebel as my mom would say. Okay. <laughs> and gave her a little bit of a hard time uh, to the point where one time she, she, well, I don't remember. I think it was like right after Thanksgiving and, you know, we would, we were in high school, we would drink a lot, which is not legal apparently. Um, <laughs> and it became it, we, we got in trouble and it was a really scary time for me and for my family. And it, you know, it could have very much like ended my career in a lot of ways. And thankfully it didn't. It was, you know, silly mistakes that you make when you're, when you're in high school. And I learned a lot from that, but most importantly, I, after that was able to like get support right so I my mom found a therapist in our town and you know he was this like very nice German man who's I think like 60 years old and he's like mom what do what does like six-year-old German man have in common with Maria yeah it turns out not much (laughs) (laughs) not much but it's but it was some a, a way to at least start a conversation right and to break through this idea that like okay you're independent you have to figure this all out on your own Maybe you don't need to do that. And maybe you can ask for help or talk to someone about the things that you're feeling and things that are going on. So it, that sort of kickstarted a mental health journey that's taken a long time. And I will st- I say that the things I talk about in therapy are still things that happened in middle school and high school. Hence why I want to help kids now deal yeah. with those things so that they save money down the road <laughs> and are healthier, of course. Well, I was going to ask you, like, what... What do you think in retrospect, I mean, you're, you're probably providing a lot of it, of this now through Clayful, but like, what did young Maria need in those, those formative years? Like what kind of tools? I think she needed to know that it was okay to ask for help and that that's not a sign of weakness. And frankly, adult Maria kind of needs that sometimes too. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, and not, no, I'm not saying adult Maria, I'm saying adult, all of us. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's it, there's such a stigma still, and we we 
want to be able to do everything on our own and it's okay not to, right? It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to want to talk about things. It's okay to feel things. Um, so even just having, giving 15-year-old Maria that permission, I think would have gone a long way instead of saying like, no, suck it up. You're just going to focus on school and do these things and oh, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, you know, got, it, it got me through, but probably not in the healthiest way, as well, at least not that's what my mom would say. <laughs> yeah, fair. And how has, you know, how has this, this journey or a lot of like these insights and whatnot, how have they prepared you to, how did they prepare you to become a founder? Is this, as you then, know, that this series is very much focused on founders, um, you know, just given a, a lot of the work that founders are, are, are doing in this world are, is, is very valuable, obviously. And the last thing we want to happen is for minds to start, you know, shutting down and burning out and so forth, because then all of a sudden, you know, all the, these beautiful ideas, including what you're working on at Clayful, like they just, they, they can't be realized. And, and, you know, unfortunately that's just a shame because I think a lot of the innovations out there could help a lot of people. So yeah, what, what, I guess what's followed you through uh, along that journey and like, what are some of those, what are some of the things that still come up for you that you've, you've got, you, you have tools now, at least hopefully to, to manage some of the stresses of entrepreneurship. I always say that every light has its shadow, right? Every weakness that you have or any, any gap in your skill set, it, it's provides value in some other ways, right? So it's let go of things, right? I will work out a problem until I can solve it. And that sort of determination and grit goes a really, really long way when you're trying to solve a problem as big as the one we're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, the the shadow of that, of course, is you can burn out and you can tire yourself out to the point where you can't really fight that fight anymore. So I've become more intentional in trying to figure out what are those sort of early signs that that's coming, mm-hmm. um, that I am getting a little bit burnt out. How do we, how do I trick my brain into knowing that, hey, yes, like this is really hard work and you can also have a little bit of fun doing it. So like I always joke that when I'm doing our, our accounting, I like watch a show. So my brain thinks it's having fun, <laughs> even <laughs> sure. though we're doing accounting. <laughs> but it's things like that that can really it really is like a brain hack in some ways. Uh, and just when I know I need that rest, take it. Uh, like the, I, I will not sacrifice, for example, on sleep. I, if I'm, if I don't sleep, I am a zombie. Yeah. So knowing what are those things that really, really make a difference for me and prioritizing that has been, and, and that's taken of course years and years to learn, but uh, holding myself to that and holding myself accountable to that, knowing that if I don't prioritize it and I don't set that boundary, I'm just not going to be my best self. Yeah. So much of, of what we're talking about and just, you know, what I call mental fitness and we can just generalize like the health of our mind usually links back to practices or intentions of checking in with ourselves you know, and like you, as you mentioned, you, you know, you, you pay attention to the signs before 
you get too far down the, the the path where then all of a sudden, you know, burnout is inevitable. So my, my question though, I guess two questions. One for you, like, how do you check in with yourself and how do we help our youth check in with themselves as well? I notice there when I become, I call it spicy. Or I'm like a little bit, too, my, my temper is like a little it. bit shorter. I'm getting, it's like spicy Mario's coming out. There's something off. And it's the question is like, are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you annoyed? <laughs> like what is going on? But clearly you're dysregulated. So yeah. that, that noticing that spice and, and sometimes that spice comes with a little bit of guilt because that spiciness is redirected. It is directed at someone. Right. So I'm like mm-hmm. short with my co-founder or I'm short with, a family member and I'm like, okay, that I need to rein it back in and like take a deep breath and figure out what is what's at the root of it. So I've been trying to be more intentional about it. Not perfect at it all. Yes, of course. Yeah, you're um, human. But it's practice. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's practice. It's a muscle to to exercise, right? And and trying to not feel as guilty or, you know, be too hard on myself when I don't get it right. Um, but trying to really, again, reach up in the best way I can. I, and I think that that applies to kids too, right? Like so much of our growing up where we're taught that like if you behave a certain way or this is actually the best example I've heard. If, if you have a kid who doesn't understand math, you teach them. If they don't know how to read, you teach them. But if they don't know how to behave, you punish them. Mm, And so many of us don't have those tools early on, how to behave, right? And how to act in a situation that we haven't been confronted with before. And instead of being taught how to behave, we're often punished. So I'm thinking about that a lot and like, how do we work within our school systems to shift that mindset? Knowing that, of course, there's frustrations when a student is misbehaving in class, right? And that Teachers are also humans and administrators are also humans. So like they're they're entitled to having have a reaction, but trying to have a little bit more empathy for, hey, that skill's just not there yet. Let's work together to build that skill. And what what could be the impact of that if we shift those punishments into more restorative, whether it's skill building or empathy building exercises. Have you experienced, like, what are some of the good use, like, good good stories or examples where this has worked well, where you've seen kind of that flip in, in perspective around punishing versus teaching and, you know, where maybe there's still a lot of work to be done? It goes back to this idea that our kids are in school trying to learn all these big things while still being teenagers, right? And while still being confronted with the pressures of figuring out who they are and their peer group and trying to be cool and, mm-hmm. and trying to protect themselves, right? Like there's a lot of social dynamics that happen in the day-to-day of a middle school or high school, right? There's a whole genre of, of entertainment <laughs> around it. I watch a lot of it. Um, I call that research. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine. <laughs> And if it, with the things that we're trying to do within the school system is say, hey, when there's, you know, you're trying to teach something and there's a couple of kids that are bickering in the back of the class and it's distracting for everybody else, instead of saying like, hey, you go to the office, like you're disrupting me and 
you need to do, you need to get out of here. How do we recognize that there's something going on? They're dysregulated. Hey, it seems like you're, something's happening here. Why don't you go on Clayful, talk to a coach about it, and then come back when you're ready. Really recognizing mm. that this isn't a bad thing, right? We, even adults, as we're working on a day-to-day basis, like things pop up, right? And we have to react to them, and then we have to move on. And it's okay to feel and to deal with those situations in the moment, and then we can move on. But if we just say, okay, you shut up, focus, they're not really going to poke in, even, right? Because yeah. we're not giving them the chance to work through it. So that's like one example of teachers really leveraging tool because it can be used in the classroom to help students work through whatever's going on without disrupting the rest of the class, without sending them outside without having there be any sort of like punitive behavior surrounding it. And, and then once they're ready, great, they can zone back in and listen, but they're not going in, leaving the class, going to the office, getting distracted by all these other things, talking to their friends in the hallway, coming back. Right. It Mm. takes exponentially more time to do that. Um, So we're, we're excited to see teachers do that. And kids also want to do that. Right. Cause they're just like, okay, yeah, this helps talk it out, vent, and then I can move on. Well, then it's just, you know, and obviously this is, I'm assuming kind of the thesis behind your work, but it's like, it's teaching and helping kids. But I mean, also, also teachers and, and adults obviously take a bit of a pause and, and equip them with the, like the tools and the thought processes and maybe like mental models and the kind of in the background to, to handle situations to, to, to your point, like it's okay, you, you know, you're bickering, you're disrupting class, and like here's the punishment. But we all know then it, it happens again and again, and then they just change classes, or like it's just it's a loop that never stops. If yeah. you until eventually there's some sort of like teaching there or learning around, okay, like this is you know, this is why this is disruptive and, and why, like, w- w- what's behind it, right? And I, f- I feel like it's like that for everything in society. It's we're always we're always on the surface of everything. Like Definitely. we never ask the questions to get to the core of like, well, what's like, why, why am I reacting like this? Or like, why are these emotions surfacing? And well, why is my default, you know, uh, decision to go and reach for something unhealthy? Let's say when it comes to f- food choices, like there's reasons typically, right? But we like avoid all of that stuff. We do. And, and a lot of it is because a lot of us are essentially in survival mode, right? I think about our yeah. educators and how how hard the last, the last couple of years have been. And I have so much empathy and so much respect for the work that they do. And it's, I mean, it's grueling to be doing all that work and then not feeling the respect or... um acknowledgement and, and gratitude mm-hmm. for the important work that that they're doing day in and day out so i so like and like that is taxiing right that wears on you so i feel for our educators and that's that's part of what the, we're doing right we're really trying to say like hey we know that this is it's hard to manage a classroom when half of your kids are dysregulated, right? Because that's what the stats say, right? You say like 40% of kids are experiencing hopelessness and sadness. Do you really think they're talking about 
the like the unit circle and yeah it, it's just they're not going to right yeah so and, and then teachers are frustrated because kids aren't engaged but it's because we're really it's a massive hierarchy of needs right they're not meeting that in their emotional safety um nothing else is going to come through so uh, I'm excited about the work that we're doing within schools because we're really trying to shift that narrative of, hey, we need to serve this part first. Right? This is a foundation uh, that, of that student well-being so that you can teach them and so that they can ace that test and so that they can be the most engaged student that they want to be. But if we're not addressing the things that are essentially keeping them up at night or keeping them from focus, focusing in classroom then we're not going to be able to get to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're just, you're consciously or constantly swimming upstream, essentially, or against the current. Like, it's always going to be a fight. And I mean, and essentially, though, the beautiful byproduct of all of this is that, of course, if, 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 if this is adopted and, and as it's more widely adopted, I mean, there's the, there's the in the moment, you know, a uh, solution for, for learning and, and like behavior and skill, you know, development and all that kind of stuff. But then there's just all of the lifelong tools now that these kids have that I, I don't know if you've quantified any of this stuff in any of your pitch decks or investor decks, but I can only imagine the amount of uh, not just financial savings, but just, you know, well, I guess, it, unfortunately, we live in a very capitalistic you know, society. So people will listen to this stuff, but like just the, I imagine the savings in, you know, people with uh, having run-ins with the law because now, you know, mm. they're, they're equipped with the tools and they're making less bad decisions. Let's, let's just say in, in, in going against authority and all that kind of stuff, not to mention like the mental health costs to the system mm. and, mm. and the human costs, of course, to all of that. Like it's, it's just exponential. So powerful. A thousand percent. Yeah. We see we see it in a lot of different ways, right? Anything from hey, when a student is starting to experience suicidal ideation and we're able to intervene early on, just as they're starting to have those thoughts before an attempt is even made, before they have a plan, right? Just starting to feel those like feelings of despair, you're able to intervene there. Like think about the both emotional and financial costs of a suicide attempt of course it's a lot it's a lot for that person it's a lot for their family Family, it's a lot for the community even just hey imagine they have to be hospitalized for a day or two yeah that's what seven to ten thousand dollars a night (laughs) yeah right And, and then that's they're not in school so the school loses that that because schools get their budget and their funding based on attendance they're and students not there that day, so they're losing funding that way. And then their their friends are like, "How did I not notice this? Why didn't I do anything about it?" They're disengaged, right? So there's all these ripple effects. Their parents might have to not go to work because they have to take care of to the student, and that's another thing. So it, it's there's all these implications, financial and emotional, that we can by taking a more preventative approach prevent <laughs> totally and totally that is i mean life-changing in so many ways so what's what have the conversations been like with students like how because uh, we all know yeah i mean even us as adults like it's 
there are so many things uh, vying for our attention. I mean, and I'd say with uh, kids, it's even even more so. Like, how have you been able to, I guess, make them care that this yeah. is important and that there is a tool here and it's, you know, I guess helping them feel that it's like, it's okay. You know, like, it's okay to, to use the platform. Transparently, that's our biggest challenge. Yeah. Because imagine. we're at this, we're at this intersection where it's not a crisis line, right? It's not, we're, we're not trying to be there just when you're at a breaking point, but way, way before that, right? So when you're going through that breakup, when you're stressed out about that test tomorrow, when you're about to head into the gym for that basketball game and you're freaking out because it's your semifinals mm. and the team's counting on you, right? Like all of these real, very real things, that's when we're there. And in our job is to teach kids that, hey, when you feel that thing, come talk to us. Just like the same way when you're like, when you're hungry you and you don't have any food, you're like, okay, I'm going to go to a breeze. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That it's like the same we're we're trying to con- make that same connection and and that's hard that's hard to do so we really lean into use cases a lot right so like this is when like, like giving kids examples of like this is when you might use playful the years basically the examples i just gave you yeah and making it feel so normal right this is everyone has a bad day like everyone goes through these things and and try you are working against the stigma, so really making it feel like oh no, it's just like so not a big deal. Everyone, it's just an app. Like you just have to log in and start talking to someone. It's super, mm-hmm. super easy. <laughs> yeah, and having that nonchalant messaging really resonates because think about the alternatives. Like oh, you have to go see a therapist, and sometimes that requires all these forms for insurance and all these questions about your background and it feels so much heavier versus it's just like, oh, I just want to talk. You can talk for five minutes. You can talk for 20. You can talk for two hours. Yeah. And everyone's getting access to this. This isn't just for you because you're broken. It's for everybody because everyone can use the support. So it's all these little things that we do to make it feel normal and really to normalize and destigmatize that everyone needs support. And that's totally normal. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, like as you're sharing this, I can't help but think, because uh, I, pr- I pr- primarily work with teams uh, on the corporate side of things to to introduce mental fitness. And I've essentially found the same thing that you're describing, that I have, I, the, the, where I've been most successful with teams is is going in and using use cases like okay, you're about to present your brand strategy for, you know, $2 million of budget. Um, how do we go in with a clear and focused and primed mind and without doubt and, and you know, you showing up confidently or you're about to deliver a big presentation in front of the sales team or you're about to go see a customer, like whatever. But just getting them into the, the frame of mind or into a situation where like, oh yeah, I have to do those things. But ultimately, and I think you'll probably agree with this, that's just the narrative on the, on the surface, like really because of that, like that's the entry point, but now we're equipping them with the tools to handle really anything. Right. Um, And it's not, at least on my side, I don't even use the words mental health. It's always something related to fitness. Like we're, 
you, you could like you, you're empowered to do this just like physical fitness yeah i can just go i can take a walk or if you want to go a little harder you, you know you can take a run but there's something that any of us can do to train our bodies and it's, uh, i i really do believe it's the same thing when it comes to our minds that in the word fitness it's such an interesting one i might try that on our we talk about yeah. coaching right and a lot about our focus is on coaching not therapy not counseling just like everyone needs a coach like you have a you have your football coach you have your your vocal coach you have all these different coaches that help you be your best self the broad james have 16 coaches the better you are the more coaches you have totally so how do we really lean into that as a as another layer of destigmatization both for kids but also for families right it feels really heavy for a family member to say like oh my kid needs therapy yeah, but when you say, "Oh, I can have a coach," like that's that's a value proposition, right? There's there's value there. It's not. So I think there's something really fascinating there. And you're right; it becomes an entry point, right? And and some of the conversations we have are about, "Hey, I'm procrastinating a lot, and I want to know how to be my best self or not do that." And then there's some that are like, "Hey, I'm really struggling, and I need help." And, mm-hmm. and then we, we can be that sort of early, early, early warning system for the school system, for the schools. But it, our goal is to really focus on this preventative work so that kids get those skills and take that into the rest of their lives. Yeah. So what are some of the, like, what are, uh, outside of going back and forth, you know, speaking with, with a coach on, on the platform for which for everyone listening, uh, if you head over to Clayful, uh, the, the website, I'll put the, the link in the show notes, but like, you'll see screenshots, uh, of what this looks like and, and so forth. And you can download the, the app and, and whatnot. Um, but I'm curious to see, are there any, like, what are some of the most, uh, used or suggested practices or rituals outside of, of, you know, again, conversing, but like, Hey, try, why don't you try this? Like, have you tried breathing or whatever those things are just to give, you know, just people some examples, uh, uh, in the space. But then of course, you know, we're all just unique human beings. So I'm, I'm a believer that, Oh, okay, well maybe I can integrate what, you know, Maria just suggested and, and try that out of my own routine or when I'm, I'm faced with uh, tough, scenarios or stressful scenarios or or even better uh more consistent uh preventative you know setups so we definitely do a lot of breathing for sure uh my favorite my personal favorite is the box breathing yeah <laughs> once i i heard that, that that's what the navy seals use and i'm like great i should be a navy seal <laughs> that's gonna yeah. be for me <laughs> so funny how to think how that how it helps to know you know where that came from um, so yeah, lots of bre- breathing, lots of grounding techniques. I would say the most popular are the, there's two visuals and I can share them with you too, to put in the show notes if you want one, that's how, what do you feel? Like what are, it's a feelings wheel. And oh, okay. a lot, cause a lot of kids come in and they're like, I like, I'm, I'm upset or I'm anxious like okay let's take a step back like let's look at this and tell us like what are all the emotions that are coming up and the process of articulating those emotions and being like oh actually am i anxious or am i nervous and excited and how do we just differentiate between some of these very extreme like am i depressed or am i just sad and disappointed yeah 
and knowing the difference between those is super interesting, both again for kids and for adults. Yeah. And then the one, the parallel one to that is what do you need? So there's a same similar visual. Just like what are all the different types of needs? And there's you know physical needs like I want a hug, or I'm looking for connection. I want to feel understood, and really helping kids articulate. Okay, you're feeling upset with this person. What do you think you need right now? And then we have a whole protocol for asking for what you need. Mm, so all it. of those come together into this very powerful, you know, relationship building process with peers or with family members, even with teachers, right? When they're like stressed about a test and they need, feel like they need more support. And, but it's the process of, Helping you, again, identify what is it that you're feeling, right? So having that retrospective internal reflection, what is it that you need? And then how to communicate that in a way that's, that inspires connection versus is like, you know, a angry or destructive, destructive conversation. So powerful. You know, what's... What's so beautiful about what you're sharing, I mean, I know we're, we're speaking about all of this for the most part from the angle of uh, kids and our youth, but like this, this is applicable, even the, the visuals, the wheels, the, you know, asking questions like, what do you need? I mean, whether you're a parent, a teacher, leading a team, on a team, like it really doesn't matter because we're all humans with these, with all of these emotions. So everything that we're talking about is applicable right across the board. And it's so accessible. It's amazing. That's the power of this work, right? That everything we do, like, oh, that's a really good tool. I'm going to use that. Yeah. And even on our coaches' lives too, right? Like we, we, we share these, tools with our coaches and they talk about how they're better family members, better partners, better friends, because they now have these tools that they one leverage themselves and also leverage in their in within their own communities. So it becomes this pretty incredible ripple effect across communities of coaches or even across our own team members that because we were teaching these tools we now get to use these tools Mm -hmm. it's pretty powerful to witness yeah it is pretty i mean that is the one of the at least for me one of the biggest joys of working in this space is that just by default uh you you obviously get the benefits of the work and and of course you know seeing others thrive as well and 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 being able to share and, and actually implement this stuff in your own life i mean it's um it's something at least I, I'm quite grateful for because I know that there's, you know, there are a lot of people that don't uh, have that, 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 um, I guess you can say work perk uh, where, you know, you f- legitimately feel better because of the stuff that you're teaching and putting out there because of the, just by, by the very nature of the work, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, yeah, we put them actually on our Instagram and our LinkedIn <laughs> I love and I, it. My friends, my friends would comment on it and be like, oh my God, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna use this. Yeah. I'm saving this for later. And you see that in the in the metrics too. So if anyone's looking for tools, they'll follow us on, on social because we'll we'll publish all of them there. And it, it it's so applicable. I think that's the beauty of so much of this work, right? That it's 
just as applicable if you're five to your 50 uh, because it's basic stuff that we don't necessarily get taught how to do no but 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 can, can, controls everything in our life it's crazy Amazing. right so as just to kind of round it or, or start closing things off or wrapping up the conversation um because we're we're getting close to time um as a founder you know what i guess what's what are some of your your learnings or lessons or 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 message that you would love to just share with with other founders that you know might be struggling or might be you know in that obviously fast paced build a business kind of environment that most of us find ourselves when we say hey we have this idea and now it's you've got to bring it to the world which is uh, probably even harder than uh, jumping on a spacecraft and going to to the moon. <laughs> so you pick something even harder than your original dream. <laughs> so any any words of uh, ad- advice? Just you know, just given the space that you work in, that you know at least has worked well for you in in these stages of building businesses. The thing that comes to mind is one that I, I struggled with a lot initially. Is this idea of what? what does building a startup in mental health mean? Mm. And how can you be true to the mission and authentic to the mission while also acknowledging that building a startup is hard, (laughs) right? Mental health and startup are a little bit of an oxymoron in a lot of ways, right? You see the depression rates among founders and the burnout rates among founders. And it's, it's not a job that's for everybody, right? Being at a startup. So I have been really, really, as a team, we've been more intentional on the finding, okay, what are our values and how do we ensure that we're bringing on amazing humans who are not just extremely passionate about the mission, because of course the mission drives everything we do, but also that they're equally as excited about building a business. Yeah. And one of my good friends and our investors she said you're doing extraordinary work and you need extraordinary people to do extraordinary work <laughs> mm. so it's it, this isn't and i'm very transparent i'm like this isn't a nine to five this is the kind of thing that you're going to be thinking about when you're in the shower <laughs> and that's expected that, that that will be the thing and you're if you you're the right person for this team if that like excites you and like that energizes you versus takes away from your, from your mental health. If that's not, if you feel the need to draw a boundary and, you know, clock out at five, this isn't for you. And that's okay, right? There's a lot of other great places that are. But I've had to be more transparent and clear about that. And frankly, like wrestle with that tension myself mm-hmm. because I don't want to be inauthentic to the mission. But at the same time, like, where we're building a startup in a very hard space and it's solving arguably the biggest problem that our society's facing. Yeah. If it was easy, it would have already been done. <laughs> totally, totally. But it's fine. Yeah, I think it's finding that balance though of kind of goes, goes back to that classic airline message we all hear, right? You have to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. Because if, if you and the team burn out, then... then you know, there is no clayfuls. And then yeah. all of a sudden the, the, the ripple effect of, of what you're putting out there is, is gone. So it's, but it's, it's tough. And 
yeah, I, I mean, I've been in that exact space, so I, I totally empathize. But, but I think what you shared along the, uh, the conversation we've had is, you know, it's the check-ins. It's, it's having some of those f- like foundational practices and the tools that, you know, you can lean on because you know, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster. It's going to be up and down. And, um, just like you mentioned, uh, like with the LeBron James example, the, with all the coaches, equally there's recovery practices and principles. It's like you're going all in at certain periods, but we still need those recovery moments and whatnot. And I think we're all a little bit different, but it's just as long as we prioritize some sort of a healthy balance, then we're able to sustain that level of, of, of output and performance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and know yourself. Right. Like yeah. if if that's what fuels you, lean into what fuels you. Yeah. Um, but if LeBron James ha- hates basketball, like he probably shouldn't play basketball. <laughs> totally. Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Uh, Maria, this is fun. I mean, we could definitely jam for a lot longer, but I, I want to respect our time. And uh I just you know, I want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing a bit of your story and and the work that um you and the team are putting out into this world. It's just, it's so needed. It's so important. And, you know, I thank you for, for the decisions that you've made across your journey to land here, because again, I mean, the, the impact of the work is goes across generations and uh, many, many, many years. So thank you for that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I appreciate getting a chance to tell a story and hopefully inspire many others to come on this journey with us. There's a lot of mental health challenges to address. So come on over. It's the water's warm. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.